everybody. Welcome back to Mondays Down South. Um, before we get started, as always, if you can do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, as mentioned last week, we are on Spotify and Podbean for anyone that uses that. Um, so, so hit us up on those platforms as well and then follow the Instagram. But uh, we'll dive right into it. We actually have a guest this week, a return guest um, up on the top left. Kevin, my college roommate, is back on. Um, just to give a quick refresher intro, I won't give the whole thing since you've been on before. Um, but yeah, again, college roommate, Philly sports guy, big NBA guy, or his expertises, which I don't think is a word. But um, yeah, you got anything for us before we uh, get started, my friend? No, I'm just ready to dive in some Carson Wentz. Uh... And talk a little bit, Kyrie Irving. My favorite subjects to talk about with Cy, man. That's, that's really about it. Hey, you know, dude, this is why I love having Smicky on, man. We get to, we get to get a little little Philly nonsense up in here. You know, Always. all these uh, these savage Philly fans. We got we got to have them represent every now and then. And then, uh, of course, NBA, man. I love I love when Smicky's on for a little NBA talk because, as as you guys have heard from previous podcasts, we can go for hours, man. So Forever. we'll we'll try we'll try to dial it down, but we'll see what happens. Also. To our fans, I'd like to apologize for my unprofessionalism. I haven't had time to eat, so you'll see my chopsticks, you'll see my salad, you'll see my sushi, and you'll see my Thai iced tea over here while I uh, while I dine away during this podcast. I'm unapologetically going to be enjoying my food while we talk about sports. So no worries. Might, might need to, might, we might need to start doing like a mukbang or whatever they call it, you know, like those YouTube uh, <laughs> food sessions while we talk about sports. Yeah, I'm, we'll, I'm we'll put it in the title. We'll put it in the title. Monday's that's last sesh mukbang. I love it. Uh, I love yeah. it. My, my favorite part is that you, it's like, it's one thing to be eating, which is, you know, no problem at all. But like you have soup, sushi, and like, like soup has got to be the worst possible food to have while possible. Can't think of anything worse. Literally can't think of anything worse. We'll be slurping on air and stuff, dude. That's a pretty, yeah. that's a pretty sushi tray, though, if I, wow. if I do say so myself. That is nice. That is nice. I think I think the only the only thing worse than that is maybe cereal, which which we have had someone on the podcast eating. Shout out Alex Wood, and uh, he didn't even warn us. He just we're just in the middle of recording, and he just starts munching on some cereal. I'm like, Alex, what are you doing, bro? It was morning time in his defense, but uh, actually, I have an ice cream cone over here too, so I just want to pull that out when when we right. get started. Yeah, yeah. Might as lock, well, man. lock lock it and load it. Yeah. Uh, but we'll jump into it. Let's do it. Um, I've got a quick hot take. I've said it before, but I want to say it again because I'm genuinely fired up. Um, I messaged about it a little bit in the group meet, but um, I am challenging officials everywhere to be better, one. And two, I'm challenging the organizations that employ them to do a better job of policing them because over the weekend, I think the basket, basketball, it seems to be the worst, but over the weekend, and again, this is going to be a Homer example, I'll, I'll grant you, but um, college basketball, conference tournaments, JMU loses a game by one after they call a technical on our coach for saying, like complaining like about a call on each end of the floor. And all he said was, no curse words, all he says was, it was the same thing down there, as in at one end of the court as another where they called the foul. They give him a technical um turns out to be a five-point play with an and one and two technical free throws that all got made and we lose by one that put them up two so basically cost us the game that was awful I think back to just tons of examples like even I mean Kev last week with now the Donovan Mitchell ejection didn't impact the game they would have lost anyway but I was like stop ejecting superstars and like the, de the Devin Booker thing was horrible uh I'd even say the Donovan Mitchell thing was kind of uncalled for but he probably should have been ejected, but 
some calls led him to getting to that point. Um, a lot of ref show stuff is, it needs to not be about that. Like, bro, we watched, yeah. we're here to, for the athletes, like, it's that simple. We can jump into some news. We actually had breaking news about an hour before the show. Dak Prescott reaches a deal with the Dallas Cowboys um, about four years, 160 million. The contract is kind of crazy when you look at how it's structured. And Kevin and I were talking about it before the pod. We couldn't understand it. But bottom line, Dak has a deal with the Cowboys before the franchise tag deadline. Um, Kev, we can start it your way. What are your thoughts on the uh, on the contract here? Yeah, um, for me personally, I'm a dynasty, two times dynasty owner, Dak Prescott. I'm in two dynasty football leagues. I both super flex. I have two quarterbacks, so he's very important to my team. Uh, thrilled for that. He put up some solid numbers with them. They got a quality staff. I'm happy on that part. As an Eagles fan, uh, not super thrilled about it. Um, thought his chance to go could go elsewhere. Um, he just seems to, you know, I'm honestly, I, I hate the Cowboys, but happy for Dak, man. I mean, he got injured. Everybody gave him crap for not taking a contract. You know, it ended up working out. Even it got, you know, he got hurt, lost everything, whatever, but it worked out. So I, I'm happy for the dude. Um, seems like he's going to be around for a while. They got a really good core around him. Uh, even if they lose, say, Amari Cooper in the future or get Trey Gallup, you know, he's got CeeDee Lamb and probably one of the other two at least. Um, they got a lot of weapons there. That's a, that's a scary team. So they shape up the defense in this offseason, which I believe they will solely focus on that they could be pretty scary for a while. I'm happy for Dak in the sense that he got his money, but he was going to get that anyway. And I think he deserves better than the Cowboys. I'm obviously heavily biased. Sure. Um, but um, so in that sense, I'm not happy for him. Uh, I was surprised, honestly. I was pretty convinced um, for a while that he was going to get tagged this year and then he was going to be mad and leave next year. Um, so obviously as a football team, I'm double football team fan. I'm doubly disappointed, obviously, that he stays with the Cowboys. But two, I was very confident that if he did get tagged and leave next year, then the football team were going to be huge players for him and just can throw a bag of cash at him to get it done, which was what I really wanted to happen. So um, my master plan didn't really work out in that way. But but the more I think about it, it's like, that's a lot of money for Dak. And I, I love Dak, arguably, you know, as much as the next non-Dallas fan, especially for someone in the division. But $40 million for someone I would call like an elite game manager and like – does that make him an elite quarterback? Can a game manager be elite? I don't know. Lots of questions, but $40 million is a huge price tag. You were the first person I thought of when uh, I saw the news. I'm like, damn, I was like, it's going to be pissed. That was literally <laughs> my first thought. I was like, ah, that's kids, that's kids plans. Or, sorry, football teams. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Ty. Sorry. If he, no, you're all good. If he was fully, fully healthy, I still wouldn't want to pay that contract. Like, that, that's how I feel, you know? Like, I mean that with no disrespect to Dak because I actually – was even more critical of Dak before um, last season. And I think he proved a lot more that he wasn't as much of a game manager as I thought he was. Like, he definitely isn't somebody that's, like, putting the team on his back, like, game in and game out. But he, was, but he certainly was putting up big numbers within that Cowboys offense. And the other thing is, is, like, he's he's got a loaded offense. I mean, he gets Zeke Elliott. He, at the beginning of the year, he had a nice offensive line. And then he had receivers across. He has three, like, arguably top 20 receivers in the – in the NFL, oh, yeah. you could argue that, like all, oh, yeah. all on his team, and yeah. so he's he's playing he's playing with fire. So when you look at it that way, he's had the pieces. Would I pay four years, one hundred sixty million dollars for Dak Prescott if he was fully healthy and I was guaranteed that for the four years he would not get hurt? No, I would not personally. 
But what shots me is Dallas. I, I don't understand what Jerry Jones is doing because if you were willing to pay him four years, $160 million after he comes off this like gruesome injury, why didn't you just pay him last year? Like wh what changed? Like, I don't understand why after the injury, you decide to lock him into like the highest annual pay for a quarterback in, in NFL. I think it's probably the highest annual pay in, in uh, um, NFL history for a quarterback. Why you, why that, that makes no sense to me. Right. Like, I, I don't understand the rationale. I almost wonder if it's just like, Oh, we don't want him to be like upset with us. So like, let's, let's make it happen now. Whereas you could have just done it last year and, and maybe you probably got a little bit of a better deal before he had a great year last year and then uh, he got hurt. So I think there was mismanagement on Dallas's end. I think their offense will be great, but here's the thing, Smiggy. I, I know you're talking about them just needing to shore up their defense. They have so much money invested in that offense. If you look yeah. at it, like Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, now Dak Prescott, 40 million. They're in, and then uh, several of their offensive linemen, if they want to retain them, they're the most expensive offensive linemen in the league, like the, at least the top end ones. Between that, more than like I'd probably say I'm, I haven't looked, but I would venture to guess seventy percent or so of their cap is is uh, invested in in their offense. And then you got like nice young guys like Jalen Smith and them, but they're going to need to start getting paid too. Yeah. And uh, Demarcus Lawrence is 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 not a cheap guy. So my concern is for their team, where can they really improve on defense? They're not going to have the money, so they're going to have to do it through the draft. And Dallas, like, it's not like they're just going to have one draft class and all of a sudden be ready to compete on the defensive end. Because last year, they had these exact same guys, and they were not winning games with, with, with Dak Prescott. They were putting up, like, 40 points but losing because the other team was scoring 50. And I just don't see that improvement um, in the near term. So they're, they're going to have to do something to really, like, ramp it up. I, I'm, I, this is why I'm always a big believer in, like, focusing on the draft and then, like, not paying too much for, for guys early on, like picking your spots because they've really locked themselves in a tough position in terms of improving their defense because they paid so much money to their offense. And if their line doesn't get healthy, it eliminates a little bit more of Zeke because you saw last year Zeke was went from being a top running back in the NFL to the second half of the season when Dak got hurt and their line struggling. Like he couldn't, he couldn't buy a 10 yard run to, you know, if, if, if we paid him a million dollars to do it, which is what they're doing. Right. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of how I see Dallas. I don't see their outlook right now being like, super exciting. I still think the football team um, to, I would say the football team more than any of the others has like the brightest future in the sense of the amount of cap room they have along with the fact that they've already had an established young base where they're not paying a ridiculous amount of money for, you know, one side of the football. That, that's how I see it in the East, at least. I guess other, other big news, um, NBA, Blake Griffin to the Nets. Any takes on that? Me? Uh, as, uh, as a diehard Sixer fan, uh, no, I'm not scared of a Blake Griffin signing. Am I afraid of a James Harden trade? Absolutely, 100%. But Blake Griffin, not relevant. Um, I think he's not even playing back-to-backs and stuff. Um, he's he's washed, dude. I mean, they're, like, trying to build a 2015 all-star team, like, like, get out of here, like, I see. They'll, probably, they'll probably get another good star, but no, Blake Griffin doesn't doesn't do anything for me. Bothers me that uh, Nick Claxton might lose some minutes because that dude's fun to watch. He's on my my dynasty team in basketball, but yeah, uh, I don't know. It just gives him another big name. It's just big name hunting. Uh, Blake's watched it. That's all I got to say. It's it's a it's a they have nothing to lose situation, right? Like sure. you sign Blake Griffin, you ha they have they had like three <clears throat> empty spots. And they needed they needed to fill two more. You get Blake Griffin on a veteran 
veteran contract structure. They're, they're not paying the money Detroit's paying for him. Here, here's the thing. If Blake comes over there and he decides to just play a role, he's washed in the sense of you're not going to expect Blake Griffin to be Blake Griffin of the Clippers or when he first got to the Pistons, of course. But also, I would say his last couple of seasons between injuries and playing with Detroit, he's had zero motivation to really be like putting in the, the effort that he might be able to put in on this team. And my big thing for them signing Blake Griffin is they want to run that small ball lineup. Yeah. If they can even get like 15 good minutes of him playing center of him just grabbing rebounds and making a couple of open jump shots, that's all they want out of him. Because like Blake Griffin isn't the first option. He isn't the second. He isn't the third. He isn't the fourth and he isn't the fifth. Like he's the sixth or seventh option on that team. If that, and he doesn't even like, even if he doesn't pan out, like they really have nothing to lose. And I still think that with that extra spot, they'll, they'll, um, they'll be looking out for like somebody like a Drummond if he comes available or like yeah. a uh, Hassan Whiteside. Like I still think they'll be able to get somebody like that. It's actually ridiculous. Like the embarrassment of riches they have in the sense of like name value. Like yeah. of course, like Blake, Blake Griffin isn't Blake Griffin of old, but like you're talking, you have both of the Lob City guys. You have Kyrie, James Harden and, and Durant. And then the funny part is we talk about all these guys and Joe Harris might be the best shooter on that team. And he's just straight chilling wide. I bring this up every single week. This dude literally hangs out on an island by himself and gets to shoot basketballs into an ocean like that is that is literally what is going on with this guy right now in Brooklyn so I don't know I think I think it's a it's an entertaining signing it's like the name value is there who knows but they have nothing to lose right like if he if he ends up regaining some of that effort and he dunks for the first time in two years wonderful (laughs) if if he if he doesn't then whatever like cool like then he doesn't play and they keep winning games with who they have because it hasn't really mattered who they've had. Like Durant has been out for two weeks and they've won more games than they have won with Durant. Like that's like, and I, I, that's no knock against Durant. Obviously they're much better with Durant, but it's just James Harden and Kai and those guys, are, they've established that chemistry and they're, they're balling out. So I'm not like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not super concerned with it. I will, we'll talk about it more. Ev, I want to get your take first, but um, I'm definitely going to be asking you a little bit about the East after that's Mickey. So, so uh, I'll let Ev go first. Yeah, I'll, I'll save time for that segment. I don't have much to add. I agree with you guys. Like, when, when I found out, like, I just found this out fairly recently that Blake Griffin doesn't even dunk anymore. I was laughing so hard. I was like, so what is Blake Griffin? Like, yeah. I find it hard to believe, like Cy was saying, he's completely washed. Like, but, yeah, again, I don't think it moves the needle. It's exciting, but um, we'll see what happens. But, but yeah, I don't, I, I, you guys can take it where you want to go with the East. Um, yeah, I, ju- I just think it's, it's like uh, they are obsessed with the small one. I think they secretly don't want to start DeAndre Jordan anymore. But uh, I-, I guess because he's maybe a good dude and he's a, a elite teammate, I guess maybe they're like, we'll, we'll still start you. Um, like I said, even Nick Claxton's even – he's on like a minutes restriction right now. But seriously, that dude probably should be starting. That's my – that's the dude's – he's good, man. He's really good. I don't know. I think I think they do want to start DeAndre, and I think he, it's fine to start him at the beginning of the game. I think their main point is they don't want to end games with DeAndre on the floor because right. he does – he still does have, like, a, the, like a little bit of rim protection. He still does grab boards early in the games. It's just by the end of the – he just can't play the minutes that he used to play, and he obviously isn't as athletic. He brings a little bit of value. I mean, as a sure. guy who watches every single Nets game, every single chance that he gets, I literally have a league pass to watch the Nets. Like, I will say, like I, – I will say Jordan, I think, gets – a little bit more criticism than he deserves, but I also fully agree that like he's not somebody that I want as a starting center, you know, closing out games for me, right? Like he, yeah. I, I think he fills a role that they need for small portions of time, and I think I still think he's more valuable than Blake Griffin personally in the sense of what he can bring to the team. Yeah, so I mean, 
a rim protector, especially with that team, that's very impressive or important. I mean, uh, probably the worst defensive uh, front or backcourt in the history of basketball, honestly. Um, seriously, like uh, between Harden and Kyrie, I don't think it could really get much worse. So you need people on the back end. I mean, that's just – it's not a bad idea. The thing that intrigues me about most about the Nets is they are literally this offensive juggernaut that we've never seen, like borderline – you could say they're more deadly than the Warriors. I mean, like strictly offensively. The thing that made the Warriors so good is they were also an elite defensive team. Like, So they were elite both sides. Where, like, the Nets are like elite, elite offense. Or, like, I mean, you could say they have the three of the most best – three of the best scorers in, in all of basketball, honestly. Like, uh, they have three more scorers than the Sixers do. Like, the Sixers kind of don't have that go-to guy like they did when they acquired Jimmy Butler. Like, three of those dudes can get a bucket when you need it. They're there for a bucket. I mean, but the thing that scares me is, like, defensively, like, when the game slows down, like, are you just – they just going to get outscored – it's not a bad – if anybody were to – you know what I'm saying? Like, if if it goes to, comes down to it, that would be the three guys I trust to, you know, outscore anybody else in the league. But it's really – I mean, it's putting a lot of pressure on Kevin Durant. He's literally, like, going to have to guard the best player on every team, like, and also be the best player, which usually is not super ideal. Um, I mean, Jeff Green, like, playing some pretty legit minutes and – Joe Harris, it's an interesting thing. Like, I, I'm so intrigued to see how it turns out. Like, it could, they could walk to a title. They could also just, like, flop, man. It's just, like, I'm so curious to see them defensively. Like, uh, that's my main worry with them, for sure. Who do you think wins the East? <sighs> Give me your honest reaction. I want to know. Probably them. Um the thing is, I haven't seen it yet. Like, the Sixers haven't played. They, we played them, but Kyrie and Durant were out. Um, I was actually more critical than all everybody else around here, I was, even though, like I said, diehard fan. But it's just not. some reason I wasn't buying this year. I don't know if it was I got let down so bad last year. I was, like, hesitant because I was, like, last year I was, like, yeah, this is – I don't know why. But I was, like, this is this is the team. This is the team. And uh, I was so wrong, so wrong. Like, we were horrible. Like, I mean, we were, we were pretty good. But um, it just it just didn't work, and I'm just like, well, you know, Maury comes in and gets Seth Curry, gets Dan Green, which was great, great moves. But I just feel like we were just very, very good. I, I never thought we were like that legit team, but now Joel Beats playing like legit, like the league of MVP, and honestly, that might be all we need. Like, uh, there's no other player like him in the NBA. I mean, the dude is not only, like, he's turned into, like, absolute clutch as hell. Like, I mean, I've watched the dude every game the dude's had his entire career. I watched him at Kansas. Like, I stalked him at Kansas. I was like, this is the dude. And it blows my mind because this is the player I always thought he could be. And people thought I was crazy. Like, like this is literally is who I thought he would be. Like, um, but I didn't think he would be this good. And I thought I was probably higher on him than anybody. And the he even said himself last last game press conference, press conference. He was like, I, "I didn't think I would be this good offensively. I knew I could be this good defensively. But I did not know. I mean, he's averaging over thirty points per game. He's second in the league. It just seems like when he, if he is healthy and clicking, uh, I just he's always going to be the best player on the court. I think even if you're playing to Kevin Durant, which is something I never thought I would say. I'm just like, I wanted to tweet out like I'm blessed to watch Joel Embiid every every night." 
If you take no, I just really wanted to touch on Joel Embiid. If you take Joel Embiid and you put him in the nineties and you take away his jump shot, right? And you just put him in the nineties as purely a nineties kind of center. He would be the second best center in the league. I'm, I'm or, or late nineties, early two thousands. He'd be the second best center in the league, maybe third sure. best, right next to Shaq and Tim Duncan, sure. without the jump shot. Yeah, so you exactly. take that old, you take that old school game, and you add defensive player of the year abilities on the defensive side, add offensive player of the year abilities, literally just as a rim, like a guy who can, who's got post moves for days with like finesse for days, like fundamentals, insane athleticism. You take all of that. And then you add a jump shot, like he's he's shooting he's shooting over forty percent from the three point line, yeah. bro. Like that is absolutely you're not allowed to do that. That should not be legal. Like I don't understand that. He is unreal. I've always been on the NBA train though, because like I remember like between Kansas, I'm a big like Bill Self guy. Like I always like used to root for Kansas to to win games and stuff. I remember sure. seeing him there and just being like, this dude is so pure. Like I just I was always worried when he went to the NBA that they would try to make him like get away from his fundamentals because the NBA was evolving into this league where like true centers weren't really a thing anymore. And like, you wanted to space the floor, but he is able to keep that true center mentality, but also space the floor. And he's just like literally the perfect um, old school center in the modern NBA. And truly, he truly, truly, truly like deserves to be top two to three in the MVP conversation. I don't know if he'll win it. Um, Do I think he's the best player in the East? Like right now, maybe, but, if Duran is healthy, I still think Duran is the best player in in the East simply because sure. it's just it's unfair. It's not, like even when he came back from injury, like it, it felt like he didn't lose a step. Like he came back from an Achilles and he's literally like stepping on the floor and you can't stop him. Like he he gets the spot every single time, gets his bucket on defense. He plays great defense. He's he's a great he's got great IQ and he's just unstoppable in that sense. And I just think the Nets as a team without Durant right? Like without Durant, even here, they have beaten every good team in the NBA yeah. that you yeah, could yeah. want. With the, I mean, with the exception of the Sixers, they haven't played them yet, but they've yeah. literally beaten every single team. The Clippers, the... <laughs> sorry, we, they haven't beaten... Except the, one! <laughs> they haven't beaten the worst team in the NBA, but they've beaten... The, no, I'm kidding. Right. Legitimately, they've gone... They've run the gauntlet. They went out west and won six in a row without Durant. And just Harden and Kyrie. Yeah. And just Harden and Kyrie playing. And people talk about the defense, and I agree. Their defense is not good. But they've progressively improved on the defensive end, and they'll never have a good defense. But that mm-hmm. offense, even without Durant, that offense is arguably one of the greatest of all time. With the you way can't Kansas defend it. There's, there's, it's impossible. You can with have, the way – it's ridiculous. With, it is. with the way – even without Durant, with the way Harden is playing basketball as a point guard, Maybe the best point guard in the NBA with his passing right now. It's actually ridiculous. Like yeah. if you watch, if you watch the Nets and the way he's passing the basketball, people need to just shut up about the narrative of like, oh, James Harden is just a dribble, dribble, dribble guy that can't do anything else. Like if he wants to go be the best point guard in the NBA, he can go be the best point guard in the NBA because he just has that like IQ, the ability, and like the the passing chops and the height and the athletic ability. He can do that. Pair that with Kai, who's just having like this ridiculously efficient season, 50, 40, 90. You got Joe Harris shooting over 50% from the three-point line. And even guys like Jeff Green and them aren't really getting their due because they got guys like a TLC and they got guys like Bruce Brown, who you didn't – you never even knew these guys' names before before coming this season. At least most people didn't. And they're yeah, – they're, Kev did. You, Kev oh, did. TLC, baby. First round Kev pick. Did. Oh, man. I watched his, his YouTube when he was out in this random 
like B level France that oh, I was all over TLC. Okay, prospect, so, so yeah. Kev, Kev knew, but Kev is in the, the vast <laughs> But I'm just yeah. saying, that, I'm just saying, even like their role players that aren't big name guys, like Bruce Brown. Oh yeah, no been, doubt. Yeah, Bruce Brown has been absolutely terrific for them, and nobody wants to talk talk about him because he plays great defense and he brings it. So I don't know. That team just seems like I don't know how they get beat unless the Lakers get Anthony Davis back in AD's playing playing at his best because I truly believe that's what it comes down. Like in my mind. Now, so I hate you think they walk the East? Like they they, they destroy Sixers. I, I think this. I think the Sixers are the only team in the East right now that would yeah. give them a true series because of Embiid, purely because of Embiid. And I mean that because Ben Simmons plays good defense, but like no offense to Ben Simmons, you're gonna have to pick between Harden, Kyrie, and and Durant. And even on your yeah. best day, if they if they are if they're playing their best version of offense, they're unguardable players. So it's like. You know, you, you guys have good wing defenders, so maybe you limit a little bit on the offensive front, and then Joel Embiid can just dominate the paint, and nobody can do anything against that. But <laughs> do I think any team in the East right now, with when they get Durant back, could beat them four out of seven games? I don't feel that way because I just think like for four out of those seven games, that offense is going to be so absurdly good that it's just going to be so impossible for a team to match it with the way that their efficiency is. Like, they're just so efficient. It's 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 insane efficiency on the offensive end that I just – and in a, and you got to keep in mind in the playoffs that it's going to be even more, um, you know, nails to, nails to the ground, like tougher kind of energy. And they have two of the clutchest players in the NBA on the same team, like with Durant and, Durant and Kyrie. Like, we talk about Harden, that's fine. But, like, those two guys have hit some of the biggest shots in NBA history. And, like, when, when it comes down to the line – you, you can trust any of them to have the ball in the hand and finish a game, right? So when I look at it that way, it's really hard for me to think anybody in the East right now could do it. But if there's one team that could, I, I truly believe it's Philly, Kev. And I, that's hard for me to say because I kept saying, like, last time you were on here, I said the process is, is like, is nonsense, right? Like, I've, I've, I've always preached that because I was like, we've waited this long and we haven't seen Philly do more than get to, I don't know, get to seven. game seven against Toronto and then lose. Like, that's, that's the best they've ever done, right? And this it was always season. a seven-year plan. It was from the beginning. We knew it was a seven-year plan, which is uh, pretty Fair. accurate, I think, yeah. Fair, but I mean, the guy that put the seven-year plan together isn't there. So that's kind of also where it's like I, I, I crack up about the notion of the – I don't know. But Joel Embiid is, is – Joel Embiid is showing off. Good for Ben Simmons, though. Like, I think he's reached his ceiling, but at least he's – at least he's like – like his ceiling is still a, a very solid, like, player in the NBA. I don't know. My thing is, I think it comes down to who guards Joel, actually. Like, you flip it. Like, uh, the dude has been – like, he's, he's like, Shaq-level dominant with a 40% level – 40% three-point shot. I mean, it's nonsense. So, like uh, – It's ridiculous. He, he can get people into foul trouble if he wants to. When he, when he, when he feels like it, he can, like, right, you're going to get fouled out tonight. So, like – in my opinion, it's like, all right, so once you get DeAndre out of there, it's like, all right, well, Blake, you can get some fouls. And then it's like, all right, you're going to put Nick Claxton, who weighs about 200 pounds on you. Like, okay, like who's, who's going to guard him? So you're not putting Durant or any of those wings on him. So I, I'm very curious to see that. That's what, like, I'm so interested to see. Like, um, we're, we're pretty efficient offensively, man. Like, uh, 100%. I'm curious to see what Ben looks like in the playoffs, which is why, like, at the time of the Harden trade, I was I was all in on trading for Harden. Um, a lot of my friends here around here thought I was nuts. I still think I'm nuts actually for that. But I I, I kind of thought that you know Joel be uh, hopefully he's not. But I always you know 
you never know with anything. So it's like, dude, he's playing at this level. Go, go get the best supporting cast you can for him. So why not get the arguably the top, a top three player in, in the game, even if it costs Ben Simmons, who I think kind of hurts us when the game slows down. But I think Ben was affected by these trade rumors earlier in the year and was playing horrible. And I was like, dude, I'm, I'm done. Like I'm, I'm a pretty big Ben truth to me. Like not as much as Joel, but I've always been like, no, no, it's just, it's, he does everything that you need. But uh, I got to a point where I was like, you know what? It, I still kind of, honestly, I still think we kind of should have done this trade. A little bit part of me still thinks we should have done it. But it, it ended up being a little too much, I think. Uh, you guys gave up a lot. And I, know, I don't know if I, I really ever would have wanted to do that. Plus Ben Simmons. I mean, I don't know if we would have had to just do as many picks. But um, I'm curious, man. Like, Because when a game slows down, he, his – the lack of jump shooting struggles, but what I'm excited about is he's gotten his free throw percentage up, so he at least is not afraid to go to the line. So yeah. we'll see, man. Good. No, sorry. One last thing, man. I want I want to give Ev a chance because we've been ranting over here. So I, we're gonna give this guy a chance to say something. But the one thing I will say is, if you traded for James Harden, he wouldn't be on the Nets right now. That's that's that was my big point. I was yeah, like, if I'm yeah. Philly, like, I, and I hate to say that, like, because I don't want to make it seem like you need to make a trade so your competitors don't get better, but like. James Harden is a significantly better player than Ben Simmons. And he has at least four years of great basketball left in him. Like yeah. maybe not this level for the next sure. four years, but at least enough to, to put you guys a little bit over the top on that end. So if you look at it right now, if you had made that trade, sure, Simmons would be gone. But the Nets would be sitting there without Kevin Durant and it would be Kyrie playing with, playing with the, like, you know, the, the rest of the role players and trying to figure it out. Instead... Like, and, and keep in mind, I mean, of course, we didn't know what was going to happen with, uh, um, oh, man, I can't believe it, Karis LeVert. Like, we did not know what was going to happen there. So that, that, yeah. that, was a, that was a factor. But they would have had Jared Allen and Kyrie Irving playing together without Durant right now. And you guys would be sitting there with James Harden, uh, Joel Embiid, and D Danny Green. And, like, your team would just be easily be the best team in the East until, like, Durant came back. I that was my point. That's, like, I feel like that's why you should do it. Because that's yeah. why I told my friends, I was like, dude, like, Really, like you, you hate to pay against the competition, but like you, part of getting him is making them not better. Like uh, you two know, two of the top five MVPs right now. Yeah, James Harden, it's crazy. Top five MVP, Joel Embiid's top five MVP. Sure. both of them will be on your team. And you could say you would have the best defensive player in the game, or at least most complete. Like you know, you could have the best defensive player, the best offensive player in the game. You could say potentially, like, at least the top three of each. I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the perfect pair, the perfect combo. I mean, Ben and Joel work for sure, but uh, I don't think there's a better combo than James Harden and Joel and me, which pains me I'll never see it. But um, I don't know. It's just kind of, you know, if we if we were to make a move for a big splash for, like, a, a better player, like a Zach Levine or a Bradley Beal, which neither of those I don't think are going to happen. But mm -hmm. if something like that were to happen, like that we have to trade Ben Simmons for, they're not, they're not like, like a point guard. Like they're a combo guard or like a secondary guard. And I think that just like that made me like look at it like Harden is the dude. Like you just got to go get him. It doesn't care what it costs. Win a title. You're probably going to have a three-year window. You can win three championships with it. So I, I thought that no matter what the cost was, it would have been worth it. But when I saw what happened, I was like, usually when these trades happen with stars, it's like, oh, that's all I got. Like, like Paul George trade sticks out my my mind. Like, like that's all I got. Like that's all Indianapolis Indiana got. Like stuff like that. But I don't know for some reason this offseason, like Drew Holiday got traded for so much, and I was like, that's absurd. And 
it seemed like that set the bar. And it's like, well, if you want to start like this, it's going to cost three first, two swaps, and then two of your best young players. I'm like, so they wanted Simmons, Maxi, um, either Shake Milton or Thibault. I heard it actually was Thibault, Simmons, and Maxi, and then like three first and maybe something like that. I'm like, that's you're already like, yeah, you're going to have a great starting lineup, but I don't want to be this like team filled of just minimum bench players. Like, I don't know. It it kind of made for an interesting story because now I am curious to see how this works out. And I would it'd be more satisfying to do it the homegrown way where your two stars or two dudes you drafted. So I'm fine with it. And I, I think defensively we're very scary with, with Ben because Ben really can you could argue actually as good as Joel has been that, that Ben could be a defensive player of the year candidate. Doc's actually um, talking about him to the media about how he should be getting some votes for defensive player of the year. It's just, it's unbelievable what he's been doing. So I'm curious to see how that turns out, but you know, Ben has been playing a lot better once he knows, I think that he wasn't going to get traded. He says obviously it didn't affect him, but it, it clearly did. He's been, his, his last month has been his best month I've seen him play. And it's uh it's really exciting to see. Yeah, I think it only goes up from here. Shout out Doc Rivers because he got so much criticism after last year, and he clearly is proving that he can coach. So, Ev, go ahead, man. We've been talking for for an hour here. No. So you do your thing. I, I absolutely love it. Great stuff. I'll go. I'll go pretty quick on my takes. Just reactions to that. Um, kind of in reverse order. I don't think just from a Wizards perspective. I really don't think we are trading Beal. Um, right. As bad as these yeah. people want to, um, that maybe they should. I don't know, but um, no need to dive into that. Um, in terms of the trade, I think looking back, it's hard not to say they should have done it. Um, but at the time, like I don't think anyone could have predicted. Well, you probably easily could have, but like the level of impact James Harden would have had, and how easily I think they would have gelled. I don't know if people would have thought that at the time. Um, but yeah, looking back, and, and at the time I was like, man, Harden and Beat is like an amazing combo. I just love the the idea of them two playing together. Um, and in terms of the East overall, I'm a little more 50-50. Like, I do think the Nets will end up getting it, but like, I'd almost put it at like 55-45 with Philly. Like, I think that, that'd be a fascinating series, just the defense versus offense. Are we the 55 um, or are we the 45? No, you're the 45. You're the 45. I'm still leading Nets. I'm still leading Nets. But, man, I think I think it's those two teams, and I'm fascinated to see how that turns out if if Brooklyn gets past Washington. All right, let's jump over. Uh, let's pivot. Yeah, no, I, I have to uh, point out, I was we were planning out this episode. I was talking to Kev for a while, trying to get him on. He'd been trying to get on for a while. And we were talking about, like, a baseball topic and just, like, what to talk about. And it, like, it didn't click in my brain that he was, like, the perfect guest to have on right now because, A, to just get him in a room with Cy right now. Yeah. Because not only could they go on for days on Philly versus Brooklyn as respective fans, um, but obviously the tie-in with we've been talking about, I think we did, like, 30 minutes on the Carson Wentz trade two weeks back. Um, so obviously our audience has heard Cy and I's takes as well as Zach's, but, um, as a, a Philly guy, Kev, we wanted to get your, your take on the trade and then we'll let, we'll let Cy, uh, react to that. I'm going to stay quiet for this one as well, just in, a, in an effort to save time, because I know this <laughs> could go, could go for a while as well. Feel so. free to interrupt me and tell me to, to, to slow it up. So uh, don't, don't feel bad about like, yo, chill. Cause this, this stuff fires me up. So we'll, we'll edit you down later. Yeah, we'll no, edit you down I, later, and then Cy will go brief, and we'll be good. No, no I'll keep my reaction brief, because I talked in extensively right. about it. So mine will just purely be a rea reaction to you, Snicky. That's it. Do your thing, bro. I will start this. I, I think I am in the minority in Eagle Sands. 
I, I don't really know how to gauge myself. Like I was telling Ev before this, Carson, like specifically where I live in South Jersey, Carson lives in my county. So he's a big deal around here. Like we're in the middle of nowhere. I think he kind of latched on in this area because no one chooses to live here, but he's from North Coast, blah, blah, blah. So between my friends locally and just anybody around here, Carson just like, that's our, that's our guy. For me, I, I don't know. I've always had this love-hate relationship with Carson. Like, uh, you know, Nick Foles won us a Super Bowl. Um, we would never have been there without Carson. That's that's a fact. We, If Carson never got us to that start, we wouldn't have won. We needed home field advantage. That was because Carson was an MVP that year. Probably would have won it if he didn't get hurt in that Rams game. But I, I have to say I've never been fully, like, in on Carson. Like, I was like, heck, yeah, this is our guy. Like, this is our dude. But something has always held me back. Um, I don't know why, but it's always just something with it. Whether it's, you know, and none of this is – I'm not saying this. any of this is his fault. You know, but he – you know, the play in the Rams game that tears his ACL. You know, so he gets hurt. And, you know, the Seahawks game, once again, not his fault, but here he is again. We finally have a chance. He gets hurt in a playoff game, you know. Um, I think he never was able to recover from losing a Super or getting hurt, Nick Foles winning a Super Bowl, and then coming to work, and he's looking at Nick Foles' statue as he walks in. Like, it's got to be weird because you're still there, and you never left. And someone else – I think he always – I don't know if he's his hardest critic and he just kind of looks up like, hey, like, uh, you know, uh, like Nick Foles literally won us a time. I don't know, man. But I think he put too much pressure on himself. Like, he, he knew he never would be that guy. I think he wanted to be that guy so bad to take us back and this never happened. But there's always this drama. There's you, you When there's smoke, you always something else pops up. Like, I, I don't know even where to begin. There's so much to talk about here. But basically, like, there's always something wrong. Like, you would hear this, you would hear that, you would hear that. And eventually, like, some of it's got to be true. Like, sure, that's not all true. But it seemed like he was very clicky with people. So, like, he had his guys for sure. Like, that's very obvious. Jordan Matthews kept getting an NFL job because of him. Um, I think certain offensive linemen, like, were Wentz guys. I think then they eventually started having Hurts guys. So, I don't know if there was – I don't know who decided to draft Jalen Hurts, but that had a lot to do. A lot of this is not Wentz's fault. This was a lot of poorly, poorly, poorly mismanaged uh, stuff from the front office. Whether it's Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, or Howie Grossman, the GM, this whole hit situation was just poorly handled. So I think deep down, Carson had some insecurity issues. And, uh, you know, drafting a quarterback in the second round, it's like, you know, I – I think what when we all saw it, we're like, oh, Howie clearly values backup quarterbacks because that's what won us the Super Bowl, which is, to be honest, very stupid. But from someone that's literally two or three years off of doing that with, I mean, who can blame him, I guess? I don't know. I'm not the guy making these calls. But I think that sat very poorly with him. And then, um, you know, COVID happened and they didn't get a chance to kind of go into camp. You know, you, get, you have like no weapons. And then you draft the first round rookie and they don't even get a chance to get chemistry together because you can't even meet up, and then you pretty much just have no preseason, and you're like, boom, go out there. So he kind of was set up to fail this year. And it's weird. It was almost like, like I said, they pretty much set him up to fail. So he has a terrible season. And of course, when you draft someone in the second round, honestly, anywhere in the top three rounds quarterback or whatever, you're going to be like, 
hey, like this, this young dude's here, like who we don't know, like kind of was promising, like what can he do? So then, you know, we have a terrible season and we just have no offensive weapons. Like they said, like I said, they, it's, most of this is not his fault. Carson Wentz has had, like, if anybody is watching this, look up Miles Sanders' touchdown pass from Carson Wentz. Legitimately one of the best throws I've ever seen in my entire life. It's against the, the formerly Redskins at the time. Um, he throws it between, like, two guys in the corner of the end zone, and then the, Miles is in the corner and catches it. He, like, threads the needles. It's unbelievable. Dude's arm talent just is – Unbelievable. Mentally, I think he has some serious issues. Uh, just, uh, I don't know if it's a cockiness, thinking that he knows more than the coach. I don't know if it was Doug's issue. No one really knows who fault, whose fault it was, but now everybody's calling him. We'll never know. Um, it's just very strange. It, it, I don't know if his presence just kind of, <laughs> it's strange. The Eagles are so poorly mismanaged. It's, it's, it's infuriating, but it sucks that Carson, I feel like, never got a legitimate chance. Um, but like I said, it always ended up being something. Um, I told my buddies the other day, I'm like, I'm, I'm legitimately relieved that he is gone. Um, like, I know we're probably going to suck next year. and I don't think Jalen Hurts is the guy. I really don't. Um, do I think it's worth seeing what he has? Sure, absolutely. See what he has for a year, and then if you suck. Worst case, you know, you have a high draft pick, and then you go from there. But um, it just sucks. It needed the end. It really did. It was just – it was over. Uh, too much is – we needed a break. He needed a break. We needed a break. Everybody just kind of needed it. It was – it worked out. Um, I was mad at the return at first. I thought it was ridiculous. But at the thing about it, I was like – what leverage do we have, like, we as the Eagles? Like, uh, you know, you're basically trading for a backup. It was pretty obvious that we won Hurts as, Hurts as the guy. And, uh, you know, uh, so, like, hey, okay, hey, trade for a backup quarterback that's going to cost you $30 million. Honestly, I'm surprised we even got what we got. Uh, I'll continue with Carson Wentz. I, I've said a lot about it, so I'm not going to delve super deep. I think I think uh, I completely understand your perspective, Kevin, in the sense of, like, you know, I, as a hometown guy, like, you can definitely see people being extremely biased in the sense of their love for Carson Wentz. And I also agree with you that I think, I think, in a, to a certain extent, he, he, he does, he is overrated. But I think in other extents, maybe he's a little bit underrated in the sense of his, his ability to be better than, than obviously last year, arguably one of the league's worst, if not statistics-wise, the league's worst quarterback is what, what people have uh, tattered it out to be, right? Yeah. And yeah, I think... Yeah, yeah. And I think his time in Philly, like you said, it just needed to end. Um, I just think, like, um, I just think that, like, with sometimes it really just is a change of scenery can do so much. And um, my big point that I made during during our initial our initial conversation is what he had to do in Philly to win is a heck of a lot more than what he's gonna have to do in Indy to win. That's oh, that's yeah. that's my major point, right? Because you guys didn't have a solid receiving core. You had Miles Sanders is a good running back, but in terms of running game, I can't say it was the most consistent in the sense of like the way you were play calling to, to set to set things up. Like I, at least that's not how I felt when I was watching Philly games. It just felt like a lot of times Wentz was just dropping back, trying to create plays like every every single you know down, like kind of running around with like a chicken with his head cut off, trying to make plays and with a with a not so amazing offensive line and I don't know what was it Jalen Rager and Fulgham as your best receivers like going in the season like. That doesn't really set up a recipe for success. 
Ertz got hurt, so that didn't help. And then Goddard stepped up, and now Ertz doesn't want to be there. So just all in all kinds of ways that offense just seemed like there was a lot that wasn't going well. And these aren't excuses I'm making for Carson because he still made a lot of plays that he shouldn't have made in in, in a negative light. And I think and I think part of that is coaching, though. And I, I, I think, like, him clashing with Doug Peterson doesn't help. We're paying a lot of money for a guy that I legitimately – like, I don't see him being like an – I, when he when we got Carson once, I wasn't like jumping out of my chair like we got an MVP quarterback. Yeah, right. But I was, but I did stand up in excitement, basically saying like, for the price that we paid, it was probably the best thing for us as a team because of his relationship with Reich. And all Wentz needs to do is come to Indy and take what's given to him, and he will be given a lot of much easier opportunities for success playing with Reich again, who knows him so well and who he knows so well, and. And the other thing being like Carson Wentz, I, I know there's a lot of reports of his struggles in the locker room with other players and with the coaching staff and just like like him just being a tough guy to deal with. I I don't think we would have traded for him just because I know like I know from everything Chris Ballard has ever done, he would never, ever, ever bring a guy over unless he believed that the chemistry could be could be solved. And Frank Reich right. definitely gave a big vote of confidence to let that happen. So if he comes over and he can be happy and so far, like his initial conversations with players and stuff, like they, the players seem super excited to have him here. I think with Reich, he can just be a above average quarterback this upcoming season. And that's all we need because if he's an above average quarterback, we have yeah. Jonathan Taylor as a rookie who had 1400 yards as a rookie who I know you love. So I had to plug him. We have, Rams. we have, yeah, go Rams. We have Pittman. We have Pittman uh, coming into a second season. We got enough cap space to go get ourselves another nice receiver. We'll give Wentz an opportunity for success, and I think he can capture it with Reich. My beer is empty, which usually times us out to an episode. Uh, <laughs> so that means we got a little bit of editing work to do. But I'm also kind of working on a new segment called Last Call, where I just arbitrarily ask you guys questions that I've been wanting to ask and want to sneak into the show. So quickly, one-minute answers for each of you. Cy, uh, Kevin and I were talking about this one. The Pakoda MLB projections came out for the NL East. They said the Braves are, what was it? <laughs> Basically 500, either 82 and 80 or 80 and 82, I don't remember. What is your take on that one? What? Thank you. <laughs> are, you yeah. are you kidding me? Like, I still think the Braves should be favored to win the NL East. And I, I, I love my Mets. And I, I, here's the thing. I think the Mets can win the NL East. I think we certainly have the opportunity to. I think our rotation has been shored up more. And I think getting Thor back later will be great for us. And I think Lindor and all these guys set up us up for, for great offense. I think the Mets and the Braves should be like, clashing for that NL East title all year but how do the Braves not get the favorite just because like they they have no they have literally no flaws on their team like they've 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 gotten better arguably and and they were almost won the NL last year they almost went to the World Series they won one game away like that's I, I that's ridiculous and my one for you Kev you've been talking a lot about how you've been getting into the draft obviously with that higher pick and just um a little shout out for the viewers keep an eye out we're going to get you on for some of that draft coverage up in April um, for a lot of that good content we have. So they'll see you again soon. Uh, but my question to you is with your, your draft research, give us one like sleeper name in the first round to watch out for that you Ooh. really, really like. I'll go with Rondale Moore. Um, uh, Purdue receiver? Yes. Um, I've heard a Steve Smith uh, senior comp, but like Ooh. better, like Ooh. faster, like better. Like, Grades out, uh, playerprofiler.com, you ever heard of it, you should check it out. They have, like, all these analytics and, like, speed scores. It's, it's really cool. Um, dude basically is a player profiler gem. Like, uh, 
I've seen some places like uh, Daniel Jeremiah doesn't even have him in his top 50 um, and stuff like that. But a lot of mocks, I think PFF has him at like 21 overall. So he, he's kind of hit or miss. And, and this draft thing is real interesting with like no combine. It seems like no scouts are telling anybody, like any media people, anything. So it seems like the media is completely lost in this whole thing. Um, I would be interested to see where he goes because he seems like someone that can really help a uh, NFL franchise right about now. He just seems like that short, like compact, fast receiver that can just do like everything. Well, I love it. I, I know one team that's picking in that uh, mid to late first round that's in desperate for some speed at receiver, but you know, we'll that's, Rashad see Bateman. That's, that's your guy. That's your guy. I do. I do want David really bad. But that's, it for, that's it for me. Any last call items for you guys before we close? I think we can call it, man. It's been, it's been a long one, but a great one. But that's it. I guess, Kev, last, last word. Sign Thanks us up. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the, the time here. I enjoyed it. I've been looking forward to talk Wentz and, uh, you know, Nets with Cy for a very long time. So glad to get, you know, get some of that in. I'm Always sure we can keep going. Time. This is going to be a never-ending thing. So this is not something that's going to end soon. So we got a lot to look forward to here. We will always, always, always welcome you back, Smiggy, because uh, yeah. these segments, I mean, we can literally talk for hours. I love it, man. We miss you. We're, we, we're excited to have you on, sir. And uh, thank you for joining. And I think we should sign off. You sign us off. I think I think we kept this nice and long. So, And you didn't really yeah. get to say a lot. So let's, let's I love you. it. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> My job is so easy. Just get you two in a room and we can go for hours. But yeah, that was Monday's Down South. Catch y'all next week.